when we come to Genesis chapter 3, I'll begin with verse 1. Hear the word of God. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said it is certain, to the serpent, you may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made Adam and made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us, and knowing good and evil, now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In the 
first couple chapters, uh, it, it depicts to us uh, paradise, right? Creation, and then in Genesis 2, uh, this, this depiction of paradise, beauty, uh, enjoyment, uh, satisfaction, uh, uh, perfection in a sense. If you had, uh, if you had tickets to paradise, or if you want to go the song route, if you had two tickets to paradise, what would you do with it? Um, would you, you turn it in? Would you take the trip? If you had tickets to paradise, better. Um, if you were actually in paradise, walking through the garden, picking up, picking up the fruit. If you're, if you're in paradise, experiencing uh, the joy, the bliss of it, would you stay there? Would you leave? Uh, the Bible's answer to that question from, from this passage, the Bible's answer is that, that we would choose to leave. And we were there. Um, they chose to leave. We would, we would desire more, uh, even if it's forbidden, mess the whole thing up and hide and try to run away. And we, would, we would leave paradise. So what I want to think that I would do. Maybe it's not what you think you would do. That's fine. But the picture the passage paints for us is that we would actually mess it up because we wanted something else and we would, we would leave. Uh, right, the passage of the fall of humanity into sin, the curse. The curse has lived ever, ever since then that we experience. Right, and, and yes, they're, they're exiled by God. They're cast out of the garden. Um, but because he decided to leave, because he'd given them the warning of, of here's, here's what was forbidden in it, and they, they broke the warning. They saw the warning sign. They, they transgressed. They trespassed. They went over the fence uh, <clears throat> with the result that they knew would be they've been brought out, uh, leaving out of the garden. Uh, I want to talk to us about uh, leaving God. I think that's what we see from Adam and Eve here. That, this, that we leave God, but here's what I want to emphasize in the passage. We leave God, and He still pursues us. Right? Have you saw that some even as we read the passage. I want to bring that mo- out more. Even with us leaving God, He still pursues uh, us. Right, salvation of the gospel is not about like what we do if we pursued God well enough, if we'd obeyed well enough. It's about God coming to us. God drawing us to himself through his son, through Jesus, through what Jesus has accomplished for us. Despite our leaving, despite our disobedience, God still uh, pursues us. <clears throat> if you had a ticket to paradise, what would you do? Uh, because Jesus pursues you with that offer. Uh, to bring you into paradise with him uh, that he's achieved through his perfection. First aspect that I want to talk about is, uh, is leaving God's word. Right? They're leaving God and he's still pursuing them. And we see that first in the first uh, seven verses here um, in this temptation. And what they're doing is, is leaving God's word. Uh, God's given them the clear uh, commandment of how they're to live in it and they, they reject that. But what I want, to, want you to see is that even with them leaving God's word, he still speaks to them. If you're uh, you know, taking class and stuff, if you decide, you know what, uh, I have a professor, biology, chemistry, philosophy, whatever, is like, professors talk a lot of stuff, but you're not going to pay attention. Like, who really cares about his words, right? I mean, his, the lecture, you're not going to get someone else to take notes for you. You're not going to read the lecture notes. Uh, if you're particularly lucky and the, the professor's written book for the class that he's getting money from by requiring it as a textbook. So, yeah, I'm not going to read that textbook. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to like look it up on Wikipedia or ask my roommate what he thinks. or you know, I'm just going to write whatever I think when the exam comes around. 
not really a good strategy for that class, right? Um, not likely to, to come out well. The much more important thing, we often leave God's word aside, the instructions of the help that he's given to us, that he's spoken to us. Remind us, we look at this, of the significance of God's word. Chapter 1 in creation, right? Now, there's nothing, things are all chaotic, this chaotic nothingness, and then what happens? God speaks. And he speaks and the universe comes into existence. The way Hebrews uh, puts it. Um, that the universe was created uh, by, by the word of his power, by his powerful word. God speaking uh, creates. It brings into existence. It brings to life. In chapter 2, God forms man out of the, out of the dust of the, the ground and then he breathes life into his nostrils and, and the man becomes a living being. Right? This, what comes out of God's mouth coming into us actually gives life. Um, so, Second Timothy talks about it that all Scripture, right, all of God's Word, all Scripture is, is breathed out by God. His Word is, is life-giving uh, to us. But Adam and Eve intentionally abandoned it. They knew it. God had spoken it to them uh, clearly. Uh, Eve even reflects that she's, that she's known that, but they intentionally abandoned God's, God's Word, right? Uh, you've read it, you know the story a little bit, but, but, but look at it again, you see what happens. Here's the serpent. And it's like a snake talking. I don't know, before the fall, I don't know what happened, right? All right but here, here's this, and it says the serpent was more crafty than any, uh, any other beast of the field. Uh, and he comes, and what we see first off, he, he, the attack of temptation happens around the word. That's still true. Every, every attack of temptation uh, focuses on encouraging you to leave the word. And the first thing the serpent does is he misrepresents the word. He misrepresents what God says. Has God really said you shall not eat of any of these trees, this beautiful paradise that he's placed you in, and you're not allowed to enjoy any of it? And she's like, no, no, you, you've gotten off somewhere. We're allowed to eat of any of the trees of the garden. It's only the, the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Right? The Satan's misrepresenting and saying, um, <coughs> saying that God's actually being restricted. There's these good things. God's holding you back. Well, when she clarifies, but then you see what she does is she also adds to the word. She says, well, we're not supposed to eat of that tree, nor shall we touch it, lest we die. I've never said that. But she's, she's adding to it. But if she adds to it, what does she do? M- makes God out to be more harsh. Or their role is tending to the, to the garden. Um, well, after that, right, the serpent already having pulled her the other way, uh, away from the word, comes and attacks it in, in direct contradiction. Right? You will not surely die. God said you would, but you, but you won't. And, and actually, he's accusing God. And what he says, God's oppressing you. This, this rule that God's given He's trying to hold you back. Because if you eat of this thing, it's good to make you wise. You'll actually be like God if you take part of this fruit. And God doesn't want that, so that's why he's not giving it to you. Right? That comes against the word. And what does the woman do? She says, all right, I've got the, got the words of the serpent here, and I've got the word of, of, of God over here. What am I going to do with it? And she, she's weighing what God says, what, what the serpent said. Um, and, and in doing so, watch this, she makes herself, she puts herself in the judgment seat. She says, I'm the, I'm the ultimate arbiter of truth. I'm the one that, that determines what's right, what's wrong, what's true, and what's not. Not God's words, just got Satan, but it's, they're below me, and I'm beside it. Right? The, the turn has already happened. Uh, she looks, 
desirable. It's good to make one wad. It's good for good for food. There doesn't seem to be any reason not to not to do it. And she takes and she eats. The man, just as much, right? Turned away from the word. He he's with her. He's seen all this, and he's just neglected the word entirely. He doesn't say anything. You don't like it. Doesn't describe any hesitation. She gives it to him. He's like, hmm, thanks. Right? And he eats. <clears throat> and it, it, it's so easy, I think, for us to see ourselves in the story too. If you'll, if you let yourself, um, we still abandon God's word uh, uh, quickly. We we leave paradise as we draw away from God's truth and life that he that he speaks into us, right? I'll take a few, a few examples, see if, see if any of these work, right? I'll take, uh, take sex, right? College, college campus, this is a you know, time in life that this matters, right? All, all times in life, probably, but maybe not when you're like, take sex. Um, right, here, comes, here comes the temptation against the word. It says, man, you're in, this, you're in this beautiful place of Florida State, all these attractive specimens of people that might be a great map for you walking around. And did God say you're not allowed to be with any of them? Right? Like, well, like, no, that's not what God said. Like, this, God's actually made us for, for marriage and to, uh, to, to, to be with another person, to have sex with, a, with uh, another person, man and, and wife in marriage, right? Um, but, but you know, that, that's not true. It's not that we can't have any of these, but you no, know, only, only one person in, in marriage, and, and we're not even supposed to think about sex outside of that. I should add to it. And sex is actually a good desire that God's given you uh, in your life. Uh, just a particular way to pursue it. And then you hear the, the accusation that says, the contradiction that says, it's not going to be bad for you to have this. Like, it's going to be good. There's a, there's a reason people talk about this. The reason everyone else on the campus is, is enjoying this. Like, this is, this is going to make you, for the guys, this is going to make you into the man that you want to be. It's going to give you that fulfillment, a longing that you're constantly looking for. Now for the ladies, this is going to, it's going to make you feel desirable and attractive the way you long to be. It's going to cement that, re- that relationship that you want to be stronger if you do this. And what do we do? We hear, hear God's word, we hear this other voice and we say, what do I think about that? Which way am I going to go with this? My temptation always attacks, uh, attacks on the word and draws us for, for what we're going to do with it. Um, and it's always got to be answered with the word. So you see Jesus with Satan in the wilderness. He, he just answers Satan's temptation by quoting scripture. He's not saying, well, well, actually let me debate you. And then he says, what God says is what I'm going to stand on. Here's, here's where it is. Uh, do another example. See if we can try, uh, try entertainment. All right. Um, it comes along with the canners. There's movies, there's Netflix, there's like concerts, there's all this stuff around for you to do, there's entertainment, there's comfort. Has uh, God really said, like, you're not allowed to do any of that? You just have to like work and drive yourself and enslave to do stuff for him, and you're not supposed to enjoy this stuff? Oh, that's not true. God actually values rest a lot, and, and so this entertainment is good for us to, to take part in, but you, but you can answer me like, no, God, God hasn't said we can't enjoy any of that. There's some of it we can enjoy, but we're supposed to find our, our greatest rest and relaxation and actually enjoyment in, in Him, and, and man, we're, we're not even supposed to want that other stuff. We just find different ways to add to it, right? Or certain ones of those things, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to get the answer Rooftop raising a little bit, you should come. Uh, you're, you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to watch R-rated movies. Maybe so, maybe. Uh, right, there's, 
And we start to we start to add to some things that God hadn't said. And the voice comes in and they're like, Man, this is what you need. You're worn out from all this. You're worn out from this going to church, from going to RUF, from actually reading your Bible, from, from studying in your classes because God wants you to be a good student and, and prepare for things. And you just need to you just need to take a day and entertainment all day long. So if you got tests in the morning, you're stressed about it, just watch Netflix all night long. Right? Not really gonna watch the office every season of the office just straight through. It's gonna be incredible. Um, and then we go, yeah. do we play it one way or the other way? Um, there's another one for fun to put it in. Um, take substance abuse, right? Maybe that's like drugs or alcohol. Maybe for you that's like too much ice cream, right? How are we gonna look at it? Essentially, we can often into it. And someone says, "Listen, here's these different, here's these different things out there that can give you some pleasure, some further sense of enjoyment." Has God really said you can't, can't do anything with that? And say, like, okay, no, like God's made some of these things, right? He's put them in our world, so we have a right place of, of enjoyment in them. There's still laws that say you can't have alcohol until you're 21. There's there's substances that are forbidden. There's there's these things, right? There's if you have seven bowls of ice cream, it's probably not good. And God says you shouldn't want ice cream after midnight because that's dangerous for you. And then you start like adding to stuff that God hasn't said. And the statement comes and says, man, this isn't actually bad for you. These laws are holding back on you. Like this is a college experience. God doesn't want you to like, enjoy the fullness of everything, everything you can get in this time of life. This is the time to live it up, to go and find it, to, to seek the fulfillment of it. And then we start to way, what word we're going to listen to, right? All kind of other, like, more simple things and, and daily things, but just for, just for us to see that, right? We see ourselves in the story. Temptation attacks the word, and we start to, we start to lead the word, even as we just weigh whether or not we're going to agree with it. Jesus answers uh, Satan in the wilderness just with the word. Right. It was a bad decision that I and Eve made, Right? It's a bad decision. Leaving God's word had, had consequences. Here's the awesome thing, though. God then starts doesn't stop speaking with them. God still speaks with them. After, after they eat the fruit, it's the next thing you see God do. Where are you? He's looking for them. He's, he's coming to them and he's speaking uh, to them. Right? The, the Bible doesn't end in, in like page three. There's just like whole rest of the book. It's about God relating to his people after we've rebelled and as we continue to rebel, he still comes to us, relates to us, speaks to us. Speaks to us to his word, which is creative, recreated, and life-giving. And yet sometimes that life-giving has to draw out our sin for us to admit it. It's a life-giving that calls us to repentance back to him when we're, when we're away from him. But God still uh, speaks to us. And ultimately, this is the gospel. Right? John 1, Jesus is the, the Word of God. God desired enough for us to know Him, wanted to speak to us enough that he, he came in the flesh as Jesus and lived among us for us to know who He is and how we can relate to Him. So we can experience the life-givingness that Jesus gives because he, he endured the punishment of the curse. He, he endured uh, death, the consequence for abandoning God's Word, and He offers eternal life. Through trusting Him as the Word of God. Right? So how will you respond to God's Word? It's a, that the author of life continues. We continue to leave it. But, but will you hear God's Word and that God still speaks to you and say, I want to hear it. I'm going to go to a place where the Word is taught. I'm going to open my Bible myself. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to memorize some things. I'm going to ask other people to help me with this. 
Because this is life-giving. God's still speaking, and I want to hear. First thing, God's leaving God's Word, and He still speaks. Secondly, leaving God's presence, and so He's still, uh, still with us, still comes after us. Uh, my kids like to play hide-and-seek sometimes, right? I remember when we were little, playing hide-and-seek. Some of y'all years ago, I think we're over my house and played hide-and-seek with my kids because they talked you into it. Yes, yes, Holly, I remember Holly was like hiding uh, behind the TV with like those uh, little uh, little shutters that we have over there. Uh, so what else is underneath the, the, the um, tables, it's like behind the... It's funny, you play hide-and-seek, you're like, oh, the kids, the kids love it. If you remember, it's kind of hard to, to win in hide-and-seek, right? Because you go and hide and you're like... Hey, they don't know where I am. They don't know where I am. They come in the room. They leave. They're looking at all the other rooms. You're like, I don't know where I am. You're like, I'm bored. <laughs> what do I do now, right? Um, and the meanest trick you can play if you're doing hide and seek, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll be it. You all go hide. <laughs> He's like, oh, do whatever you want to. He's like, hide. Like, how long do I have to stay here? Um, that's not what God does to us. We run away and hide, and he comes after us and pursues us. There's Adam and Eve hiding in the, hiding in the garden. They wanted to get uh, away from God's presence, to hide from their king, their creator, uh, their provider. All right, they heard of the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They, they wanted to get away. They're, they're hiding. The beauty of the Garden of Eden wasn't just like the trees that were there, the, the, the river that was, that was coming out of it. Um, it was a sanctuary of life and beauty because God was there. Because the place of fellowship with God, of being in His presence. That's why the tabernacle and the temple uh, later in Scripture have these uh, imageries of the, of the Garden of Eden. Even while the new temple and in Revelation speaks of the same imagery. It was a place of fellowship, of closeness with God's presence. But now they're, they're trying, to, trying to get away from it. Um, and they run away and, and hide uh, from God, right? There, God's walking the cool today. The they've realized uh, right before that they, they've realized that they were naked, so they make uh, clothing for themselves. Right? It's the beginning of the clothing industry, right there. What happened? What happened? Or the beginning of it is the clothing industry design. There was a lot of room for improvement when it got started. Right? Have you ever, have you ever seen a, a tree? My grandparents used to have a picture. I mean, there's, the leaves are sizable, which is which is helpful. Um, if you're a filth, like a fig leaf, it's not, it would not be comfortable. It's not like cotton. Right? I just want to wear that clothes. But here's what they do. They, they, go and they sew these fig leaves together. They need something to, to cover up with, right? Uh, they're, they're shame. They're hiding. Uh, God calls them. Um, where are you? Eventually, I was like, yeah, it's God. I've got to answer. It's not like he doesn't know where I am, right? I'm, I'm hiding from you. I heard that you were coming. I was... I was, I was naked and, and I, didn't want to from, I, was, I was naked and I, I hid from you, right? I told you you were you were naked. Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat? God knows what He's done. But I was not wanting to admit it. And right there, they're hiding. They begin to, to blame one another. Um, <clears throat> let me ask you this: um, uh, Do you think Adam's hiding makes sense or not? I mean, here's what they've done. God's coming. No, they should be like, go live and hide, right? Um, would it have been, if, if they had been successful in hiding, let's just say, if they had been successful in hiding, would that have been better or worse? 
Because without God's presence, without God's help, without God's provision, without God's leading, there, there wasn't any hope for them. There was no chance they were going to still have like a, a happy life anyway. They're still going to get, they're going to be able to get by and, and you know, it's really going to be worthwhile and they were going to cover over all this and, and things would be good. I think it was actually better for them if they had, uh, if they had, if they had hidden. That's what they're doing, but God comes after them, right? And blaming, uh, blaming one another with the, with the woman, right? Did you do this? It was the woman, right? Uh, it was the woman that you gave me. He's blaming her, blaming God, and then, then finally admitting up, yeah, that's the woman. The same thing with the serpent. Deceived me. Tricked me. And then, yeah, I did it. Uh, listen, I remember telling uh, Daphne this story back when she was like, maybe two, maybe less than two. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid, like, you don't know to hide the reactions on your face. And, like, she was reading this, and it was like, uh, I, was, I was telling her the story, and, I mean, she just immediately got it. She was like, She's like, they do that too? Because like, she knew, like, if she'd done something that, that Karen and I told her not to do, she didn't, she didn't want us to find her. She didn't want us to find out, and she'll go, and then we'll, like, hide from us. And she's reading this story, and, like, she just she gets it, right? We see ourselves on the story. This is, this is us. We relate, right? When I mean, you're sitting, and you know you're doing something that, that God said, don't do, right? What's your, what's your first reaction? Like, I should pray now. I want to sing praises to the one that made me, made the universe. Um, I want to get, be around other Christian people. I want to quote the memory verses that I've learned. I want to study the Bible when I, when I know that I'm doing wrong. You know I'm definitely going to, going to church now, and I want to, want to worship. Like, you know, we're like, like what? I can't, don't want to pray now. Don't tell me anything about Scripture. I don't want to be in this place. I, I, we push ourselves away from God. I'm trying to push him away from us. Uh, but here's the thing. God doesn't let us do that. Right? God doesn't let them do that. He comes to find them. He comes to find them and still uh, speaks to us. It's not just, not just punishment, which I think is really more uh, discipline. It's still related to like what happens at the end of it. After the curse, God's coming them. He makes them the first good clothes that he has. Uh, God provides uh, for them. Uh, exiled, yes, but God continues uh, relating to them throughout Genesis, throughout Scripture. Even now, God continues to relate to us. Right? Uh, leaving God's presence, but God, but God still comes with us. Jesus, one of the names that Jesus is given in Scripture is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, in the incarnation, God came to be with us, to live among us, so we would see His glory. So we would see His grace, so we would still have this, uh, this way of knowing Him, of being able to come to Him and be restored to God, even though we've broken that fellowship and thrown all our stuff in His face and run the other way. Come after us. He's pursued us with His Son, with His grace, to draw us back into His love. It's the gospel to us. God doesn't uh, leave us to ourselves in hiding. Let's see if we found a good enough hiding spot. He invites us uh, back to Him, draws us back to Him. Come now. Will you pursue? Uh, his, will, you, will you open yourself up to His presence that's pursuing you? Leaving God's presence, but still. God with us. By finally leaving God's blessing, uh, we still see his, his promises, right? Leaving God's blessing, we still see uh, his promises in verses uh, uh, 14 and following with the curse, right? After, after this investigation of who's done what, will they admit to it and then where the blame goes? Uh, next comes the consequences and the curse. To the serpent and to the woman. Uh, then to the man. And it emphasizes that Adam and Eve had chosen to leave God's blessing. 
Right? They ch- they'd been warned back in chapter two. What is it? That they would eat of the tree of knowledge good and evil. You surely, surely die. Right? You remember they're in a state of blessing. This is this is paradise of blessing. But you can go back to chapter one, verse twenty-eight. After God made them in His image, He said, "God bless them." And God said this blessing to them. He said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with some good, and have dominion over all of it. Uh, right? Fullness of life is yours to enjoy. Privileged status is like, as my image, as my reflection, as my children, is yours. Uh, this role of enjoying it and ruling over the universe that I've made uh, as kings is, is what I've given to you. It's this place of blessing. <clears throat> right? Maybe the blessing is best uh, seen or best imagined if we kind of uh, think of if there was no curse. I see the things that are that are said to the woman: uh, pain and and uh, and in childbearing, um, desire for your husband, but he'll he'll rule over you. Uh, right? Maybe maybe still babies are amazing. Um, uh, childbirth is incredible. Like by far the most amazing experience of my life is the birth of my children. Um, and it. it I don't know how to describe it still. Like, it's incredible. It's this new life. I come to the world like from, from you. Um, but if, if that could happen like with, with no pain, uh, with no uh, difficulty or blood or doctors around or like medicine or like all these things that if, if there was no complications, uh, no, no miscarriage, no, no, no death or birth of, of either the, the baby or the, or the mother that, that happens like Wow, how much more, that's what it could have been. How much more beautiful then? Uh, I, I think, I'm maybe stressing this, but I think it has even relates to children from then on, too. Like, like parenting wouldn't be difficult. You wouldn't have rebellious children. There, there's, there's this growth and enjoyment just of, of, of their, uh, their growth and learning and, and training. No marriage conflict, ever. Every marriage would be awesome. Right? No, no, like, bickering back and forth uh, the way you've, uh, you've watched people do. Uh, no, no, like, hurt and, and moves apart or divorces or whatever. Like, every, everything's just, just good. They love one another well and continue to, to give to each other. No relational uh, conflict at all. Friendships or whatever, I think, come out of that. Um, no hard work. That'd be nice. Right? This, this is Adam. You're going you're gonna to labor. Instead of being able to walk through the garden where here's these things... Uh, Ready for you, and you're maybe still cultivating this, but it's not like it's not this this pain of labor that like here you pour yourself out and you studied all night long and you still like got a C plus. Like every test is an A, right? Every everything that you do, you prosper. That's the image of Psalm one. Uh, everything that you do, uh, prosper. There's not mistakes. There's not failures. There's not not sweat of the brow that ends up in futility and frustration and an anger of not being good enough and not having produced enough that just ends in death. And it would be successful in every in- endeavor, feeling useful, always plenty, always prospering. Um, but we uh, we're experiencing the uh, the curse, um, but we're also there's also the promise. Um, right, right by the way, like, the reason that you the reason that you curse is because you experience the truth of this passage. Right? So you curse from the outside and the inside, or just thinking of it that way. The, the reason you, you, you curse when you experience like the frustration is you studied all night and you didn't get the grade that you want. Um, or you poured yourself into it and still this relationship is, is, is conflict and brokenness. The reason that you curse is because the Bible's true. Well, says, yes, God's cursed. Uh, we, we've experienced this curse of God's law because of our disobedience. And it's, 
yeah, it's not right. Yeah, there's, there's a reason. There's something, there's a substance to what we're saying uh, when we're cursed. It's a true experience of the reality of it. Um, it's not all curse. There's also promise. Or leaving God's blessing intentionally is what they're doing, but there's, it's still, uh, there's, there's promise. Uh, God clothes them afterwards in the passage. Uh, he provides that uh, if life continues, He's saying that the children are going to continue. Childbirth will continue. Adam names his wife Eve from his mother of all the living. Um, but then also God curses the serpent. Right, you go back to Genesis uh, 3.15 with it. He's, he said, Curses is the serpent. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise uh, his heel. Uh, the, the offspring of the woman, though, though that offspring will be wounded himself, will also put to death finally... This temptation and the source of temptation uh, in the devil. Um, right, this is called the Proto-Evangelium. The first promise of the gospel that we see uh, stated in, uh, in Scripture is brought out more and more through Scripture. Revelation talks about that, that ancient serpent who is the devil that, that Jesus Christ has had victory over us. Jesus became a curse for us because of this to stand uh, in our place. He became uh, the curse uh, for us and he had victory over death. Victory over the consequences of it. Raised up on the other side to draw us back into the blessing of God. Uh, he's achieved fully for us. Um, God remains intent, even despite our sin, uh, in spite of our failures, God remains intent on fulfilling the blessing to us. It's awesome. He remains intent on, on accomplishing his promise despite our disobedience. You, 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 don't just, uh, you don't just lose this relationship with God. He continues to come after us, uh, offers his promises to us in Christ. Leaving God, he still pursues us. So what the passage is saying is the experience of Adam and Eve, uh, the passage is also teaching us, is our experience. We're constantly leaving God, and he's constantly still pursuing you. I'm calling you back to him and Jesus, knowing you're wrong, knowing your rebellion, knowing you're hiding and running after you. I'm calling you back to him, back to his word. That you would rest in it, that you would know it, that you would live on it, that you would speak it. Uh, back to his presence, uh, to comfort you, to assure you of his love, his provision, of his guidance, that he's not going to let you go, that you are his and he's with you, uh, to his blessing. That you can't, you can't remove it. And he desires to fulfill it. That Christ has, has fully accomplished it for us. And the full promise of his blessing is ours uh, through faith in Christ. Christ is achieved. He, he invites us back to paradise. Uh, if you've got the ticket to paradise, what would you do with it? Um, here's what's offered to us in the gospel. Um, the offer doesn't remain for, forever. The scripture says Jesus returns and he, he brings those who are his with him into paradise, um, sends others away. C.S. Lewis, as he talks about this, uh, says, brings out that, that hell is essentially God giving us what we wanted. And that's after refusal and after refusal and after refusal of God pursuing us and us not being willing, wanting, wanting instead to reject him and have our own way. He eventually gives us over to him. Leaving God, we see as he's still pursuing us. Sin us in his word and relationship with him, even the promise of blessing. 